Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. I'm Jeremy Kubitschek, as always, with Steve Cochran. What's happening, brother? How are you? Hello, Jeremy. How are you? That's yeah. one of the first times you've ever done the intro with one take. I think we ought to celebrate I... that. It's a good start. <laughs> oh, wow. This is going to be a good feisty one. I like it. Let's go. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. It reminds me of a time I did. Uh, you know, you, you and I did a lot of video and interviews, and I was doing it with someone who is, was bragging about he was a one-take guy. But I think mm-hmm. he was nervous, and I swear we did twenty takes, <laughs> and uh, it was so bad. So anyway, now you um, promise you hey. never mention that live. Uh, I've got a lot better <laughs> since then. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is funny, isn't it? Just um, we've been doing this so long uh, that it's yeah. fun to fun to have conversations. Let's go. What do you What do you want to banter about, man? What's What's going on with Steve Cockrum <laughs> and your side of the pond? <laughs> Would you want to start with me or do you want to start with uh, our usual kind of uh, joyous news of how the Brits and the Americans are doing and their various things? But uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> how so, are the Brits I, today? <laughs> well, I think the honest answer is um, most of them are on strike. That's probably the first thing to say, that <laughs> you'd be hard pushed to find anything that's actually working at the moment. But um, it's a really interesting moment in the life of this country. I mean, I just think we're in one of those seasons where the government can't win. They need to be changed. They've been there for 14 years. You know, their record is appalling. Everyone knows it. They can't really come up with new things. And it's almost like they're, they're a lame duck. And it's a bit like, going, whatever they do, it doesn't seem to work. And because we left with Brexit and no one's happy and blah, blah, blah. But it's just, it's one of those moments when I guess I feel just the weight of going, I think we're an amazing people. I think we're an amazingly entrepreneurial, creative, innovative, inventive people. But we have an incredible ability to be a glass half empty whenever it comes to economics, weather. There's just this kind of weariness at the moment about we're feeling, you know, you know, the Germans were sorry all the way through the 60s and the 70s for the war. We're in that kind of apologizing for colonialism. And it's almost like somehow, if we're not careful, we're going to talk ourselves far lower than I think we need to go. So as somebody who tries incredibly hard to be a glass half full person and brings hopefully energy, optimism, and a belief that, you know, if you have the right mindset, anything can be possible. Sometimes I wish, as I said to you before, um, I'm an American in exile in Britain with a British passport. So it's never as grim as we say it is, but right now is a real inflection moment, I think, in the life of our nation where we need some leadership and some optimism and vision of what could be. I think when, when Kelly and I were living there, uh, we would, we probably felt that because of our positivity and kind of uh, optimism and entrepreneurship, all those things. But do you think it's gotten worse? Yes. In the last few years? Yeah. I think, I think, you know, the the cost of living squeeze, you, you know, as well as I do that us in Britain, we, we put all our security in housing <laughs> because the Englishman's home is his castle. And whereas yeah. America tends to 
to create more wealth through stocks and ownership in companies and all those things. And it's almost like we've run out of money and energy. Mm. And the just the energy crisis, huge debt repayments of the things that basically, you know, we borrowed to get through COVID. The country basically is in a place where a lot of people are really struggling. We've got, you know, a lot of people having to use food banks. The reason why a lot of the, the public sector workers are on strike is when you have a society where your basic building blocks, your nurses, your teachers, your policemen, your firemen, cannot actually own a stake in their society by owning a home or whatever it is something has gone fundamentally wrong so you know the the whole zero interest rates is now unwinding and effectively what you have is you have a really unhappy disenfranchised young people unless you've got wealthy parents you're never going to own a home average house price is now 10 times average salaries which is a staggering statistic so I think it's one of those ones where we need more than business as usual, but the government that's in is it can't really do anything but, you know, get it wrong. And it's a, we're, we're looking at the future. So I think it's got worse. I think there are pockets of optimism, and I think it's never as bad as the Brits say, like the weather. But mm-hmm. I do believe there is a, there's a soul-searching going on for going, mm-hmm. you know, who are we, what is our future? And when the IMF tell us, like, we're bottom of the growth tables for the developed nations – you know, we're never the IMF have never been huge fans of the Brits, but you know, it's all of that becomes the news and that kind of negativity cycle. So, sorry if I'm droning on because it's not me at all, but it, it's just a painful moment, I think, really, for a mm-hmm. country which obviously has had a huge impact over the years in on, on the global scale and hopefully brought a lot of good things to the world. No, I think that's interesting, and, and I think the concept. You know, we have a tool. Who says you can't? And the idea yeah. of it's prohibition versus inhibition, and I I always felt that a little bit of the inhibition uh, through the lens of prohibition that people are saying that you can't, and mm-hmm. it feels like there's a lot of can't, which goes back to the glass half full. Um, and you know, if I took the same construct though to America, I think we've been in a down cycle. Uh, of we've been in such a socioeconomic turmoil, but we've been looking and almost been a negative view of ourselves in the same way of, you know, uh, all the things we've done in past centuries. And those same things have, have kind of uh, been a, uh, woe woe are we, woe, woe is us type of the difference though, is I think to your point in the, the fundamental underlying, uh, view is still a glass half full. Mm. And so therefore, even though maybe we've gone down, we <laughs> still view it as like, oh, it'll go back up. And yeah. I, I do. I think there is something in the psyche um, here. Mm. And I think a good leader or two um, mm. will will bring that back up probably in the way uh, in our case, it was Ronald Reagan who was able to unite both sides, both parties. There's probably going to be another inspirational leader that will get through the pettiness of partisanship, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in it, it, do, it doesn't take as much in America no, as it does in England. And I think yeah. I think that. But, you know, England has a few more centuries uh, under its belt. Yeah. We're an adolescent. <laughs> we don't really history. know. Bit more history, yeah. No, that's really good. And I, I think you know when you, I always apply it and go, where, where's the learning for the leaders? Where's my learning in this? 
it's in a sense we we sometimes we love talking on the macro anyone who knows us but actually in the end what what as it what difference do i make where i go i'm always going even more consciously as a optimist bringer of life possibilities hopefully inspiring people to believe that actually who says you can't actually i'm always looking and interested to know who are the people i meet who actually have that same they they add they always seem to be calling others up rather than being down about it and it's really interesting how how few there are but how much i appreciate them when i meet them and i think you're right it's it's at times when leadership is is most needed is when people are most struggling and yeah. usually what happens without vision people perish without a purpose people perish and there's a lot uh, of that at the moment you know, uh, this is a perfect tie-in to our tool that we want to talk about today. And for those listening, uh, we've, uh, Stephen, I've created tools through the years that are used around the globe to help people uh, become healthy and then teach them how to multiply uh, to others. One of the tools, in fact, it was the very, very first tool that I created was um, mm -hmm. the influence model. And then Steve helped add and shape it. And we together, we kind of morphed it and made it even tighter but the the idea of the influence model is this whole idea of how do you have influence with people yeah even when they're down or how do you have influence with the, with your team your family anyone else in your life and yesterday i did a session with an executive team and we looked at uh we looked at their influence with one another and i did a really interesting exercise i i paired up the CFO with like the CAO or the CEO with like the chief nursing officer. It was a medical in a large group and putting them all together in these pairs. And then I had them look at each other's influence and say, where do you not have influence with me? And where do you have mm -hmm. influence? And then they shift to the next person. It was powerful. And so in the influence model, there's basically without showing you the tool, uh, there's basically a uh, first section, which is, how do you build trust? And we'll just we'll just park on that one. We'll explain all of it. But just the basic fundamentals of trust. And Stephen, I've said there's really two columns. There's character and chemistry. And then there's competency and credibility. So if you're with someone and you're trying to influence them, then depending on whether they're a thinker or a feeler, they're going to start with one or the other. If they're a thinker, they're probably going to value competency and credibility first and then they're going to back into your character and chemistry. Do they like, do they trust you? Do they like you? If you're a feeler, you're probably going to start with, hey, do I, do I trust you? Do, and do I like you? Now let's look at your competency and credibility. So the interesting part of, is I started to play with these people to ask some questions. And one of the, one of the comments by one of them was, um, you know, there's this guy, I just don't, I don't know if I really trust him. And I go, oh, okay, so do you don't, you don't, I mean, you don't like him? chemistry and is no no I, I like him i go oh, do you do you think he has integrity oh yeah totally he's integrity oh but you don't trust him is he competent oh smart guy i'm like well what's the issue and it, it, he goes well it's credibility he's told me he's going to do something three times and it hasn't happened well we we dissected those and two of them were someone else one of them was his and but at the end of the day it was the reality that you have to have all four of them to really develop trust with someone. So if you if you have partial of it, then it won't work. And so if you think about if you think about what you were just saying of of uh, influence or the inhibition of people, sometimes that can come across in chemistry. It can be so hard to be around people because they're mm -hmm. Debbie Downer 
or there's a black cloud over them always. And so you're like, oh gosh, here they come again. So that person has already undermined their influence. So I don't know. I just think it's interesting to talk about the idea of undermining influence, maximizing influence, and a lot of people sabotage themselves when they don't have to. What are your thoughts on that, Steve? That's good. I mean, I think I think the question is always asking, well, where 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 am I likely to lose influence with people and why? It's that know yourself to lead yourself peace and and just being aware of what's it like to be on the other side of me. If you ask people, they will tell you. And I think for me, I've always had to understand that it's very rarely competence and credibility. Whatever I'm doing, I insist on being competent and I believe I'm always credible and hopefully I'm fun to be with. It's interestingly, though, it's embarrassing to say, I know as a pioneer, it's usually the character piece. It's, Steve, historically, pioneers love to win. So the question is, is your need to win going to override your desire to help me in the best way possible? So I think it's I'm just giving you an example of, of the thing I always have to be careful of, because I used to love negotiation. You know, it's a pioneer's favorite sport. It's like intellectual winning. <laughs> and then I suddenly realized this to go, I don't want to be known as the person who drives the hardest deal. That's really not. So I've actually had to end up with a mantra which says, I sometimes choose to lose, which yeah. is an utter anathema and violation of every principle by which I was brought up. Because in a sense, there's a bigger picture of going, I want to be trusted and I want to be known in a way that I, I mean, I want to have influence. And one of the ways I found is I sometimes have to be very careful that I choose sometimes not to have to win because actually the win is often bigger than me just winning that in that initial moment. Now you'll laugh and smile because you've, we've known each other for a lot of years. So it, it's not like the tendency goes away. And I find, by the way, if somebody tries to fleece me in negotiation, I go, all right, then fair enough. You've abused my generosity. And now you really are going to lose. So it's not that it goes away, <laughs> but it's that piece of going, what is it that's going to prevent me being trusted in all of those areas? And for me, I've had to work really hard on the character piece because in the end, some people think I'm always going to be out for myself because I guess as a young pioneer connector i probably was what about you i mean obviously you are dr influence who wrote the book jeremy so well what, 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 what resonates with you yeah i mean for a connector we're good at all of them right now that's our joke uh the and for those listening we what we've done is we took uh, my first book was called making your leadership come alive we took the construct of the influence model and steve and i have merged it with five voices so we have this content that we've done we have we don't have it in a book yet but it's it will be a future uh, mm. focus, but we've taken voices, personality through the influence model. And all of a sudden, mm. if you go, if you're a nurturer, this is what you struggle with. Or if this, if you're a pioneer, like Steve mentioned, or in my case, uh, a connector. So what I did, I, I had Tracy yesterday, her and I <laughs> actually did the same exercise, um, as everyone else. And I go, you know, Tracy, and we've worked together forever. Tracy, where do I undermine my influence sometimes? And it's, it's an unbelievably, hard and good conversation <laughs> because if you're for now again this is she knows i'm totally for her and i know she's totally for me so we're fighting mm -hmm. for each other's highest good she's a guardian i'm a connector mm -hmm. it's like my wife in that regard so we she's my nemesis voice so mm -hmm. kelly is a guardian tracy's a guardian so the conversations were really not surprising they were exactly what you and i put which is character as well for me it's just different in this in in the way that you maybe uh, negotiate or are hard. Mine is um, 
I tell stories and I've done so many things that people go, is he really true? Is this for real? <laughs> what he's done? Um, I mean, that no one does that. Who's is he lying? Is he exaggerating? Mm-hmm. And so those are the um the areas that I have to be cognizant about of talking mm-hmm. too much, telling too many stories, of which could undermine the view of my own influence. Uh so it's it's really a fun, it's a fun game uh to play. <laughs> it's a great one to ask if you're brave enough. I love that challenge if you're listening and go. Where do you undermine your influence most? And you can use character, chemistry, confidence, credibility as your filters. But you've got to be able to ask and not get defensive. That's the thing that shuts down feedback faster than anything else. Well, I think you're wrong. I think that's really unkind. So, you know, I think that's the always the acid test. And most people hear what people think they're able to hear, not necessarily the truth. And that's Absolutely. kind of uh, kudos to Tracy's relationship with you that she can say those things. And, uh, yeah, well, I can't wait to tell you what I told her. Is it time for our special guest? We have an amazing guest today. I'm so excited. Let's let's bring Chandra. Hello, Chandra. Chandra Jarrett. Good to see you. Hello, Jeremy and Steve. Good to see you all, too. Chandra is a giant. She is someone who has been coaching. She coaches people. You live in Nashville. I'm in Nashville. Right? Yeah, and so Nashville, Tennessee, she's an unbelievable leader, an amazing person. She has the ability to um, want the best for people, but her voice Mm. has been growing to such a degree that now she's been learning how to call people up to their highest level. Mm. It's unreal what she does. And so we're so, so pleased to have you here, Chandra. Thank you for having me, and thank you for your kind words. Absolutely. Oh, Chandra. Jeremy's always the best introducer I know. He, he's just, and he means it. That's the he lovely does. thing. It's, kind of, it's always generous. It's the kind of British American thing again. Americans mean it. The Brits always just go, well, we don't get you too far above your station. But Chandra, tell us a, a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about the story of kind of how you got here and, you know, where you are now. Give us a little bit of the kind of the. Chandra Jarrett's story so people who don't know you can understand how amazingly awesome you are like we are, which I know for a nurturer is like one of the worst things you have to do. You Come already on. know. Give us the story. But I'm going to show you how much I've grown, Steve, okay? Come on, girl. So I am a Nashville native, as Jeremy said, and it's interesting thinking through this. When I was in high school, my senior year, I took a career education class. And the top two careers for me were accounting and engineering. I knew I didn't want to sit behind a desk. And I loved just the complexity of engineering and using my hands. So went to Tennessee State and got a degree in mechanical engineering and was in engineering for about 15 years. But probably around year 12, 13, I knew I was struggling. Like I just it it wasn't my sweet spot, even though I had 11 engineers reporting to me. I was working for Saturn. And so I journaled for two years and asked God why I was created. And one of the things that engineering had done for me was it it exposed kind of this love for training and equipping because I did a lot of training engineers and that was where I really thrived. And so in 1998, I left engineering and started my first nonprofit and just began developing my own content for workshops and seminars and just kind of did that for some years. Um, spent some time in the nonprofit space 
And then in 2019, I was introduced to Giant. So I did the math that was around 21 years kind of in the space doing different assessments, um, again, creating content. And when I took Five Voices, it was a game changer for me. Like I knew immediately there was something very different about just what the assessment showed me about me, who I was as my voice order, going into the weapon systems. And at the time I was working for a nonprofit and decided I just, I want to get certified in five voices. Like I want to go deeper. I started using it with my coaching clients. And then in 2020, um, the Lord led me to come home to help care for my mom. And I just had one request and it was to do what I felt like God had called and created me to do full time. And that's this coaching and consulting. And I still remember sitting on my couch in Virginia, preparing to coach a client. And I came across the peace index and I watched the video of you, Jeremy, talking through the peace index and teaching it. And it's the five components, right? The purpose, the people, the place, uh, personal health, and the fifth one is escaping me. Provision. Provision. And when you begin to talk about purpose and just your transition from Atlanta and then working with Steve, I began to weep. And I knew in that moment that that was the space that I wasn't really... I didn't have the peace. I wasn't where I needed to be. Packed up, came to Nashville, came home. And um, by December of 2020, I began to transition into full-time consulting with Giant. Started all my certifications. And um, now I'm going into year three of full-time coaching and consulting. I have eight clients. I love working with nonprofits and women in business and leadership. So a lot of my women are C-suite managers, controllers, and it's just given me the opportunity to really thrive in my gifts. But I'll say this, Steve, as you kind of talk about how I got here, I could not have done this without the giant tools and technologies, because I think creating my own content it's just a different kind of work. But when you're in a community and have the tools and the technology and the and the programs to just be able to work with organizations, it's just been a game changer for me. So that's where I am and how I got here. So, Shonda, what would, what would you say to others about getting healthy? Like so when you're coaching someone and you're sitting down with them and anyone listening here, OK, let's just say they're going to get coached by you right now. And what would you do to encourage them to get healthy? To start with know yourself, to lead yourself, to really be self-aware and not afraid of stepping into the place of just saying, okay, this is who I am. And really for me, Jeremy, when I thought through it, so I'm a cancer survivor. This will be eight years for me, stage three breast cancer. And I think about, you know, as I was thinking through today, it starts with just the assessing of who are you, where are you? And that's either five voices, peace index, invincible assessment, if it's an organization. But then what's the plan, right? If I want to be healthy naturally, I can't just eat a meal and expect to be healthy. I've got to have a long range plan. And so 
for me, I sit with clients and say, hey, we're going to go on a journey and it's going to take time, right? We didn't get here today, and but we're going to get there. So when I was diagnosed, they said the next 18 months are going to be bumpy. But once, if you just trust the process, you're going to be good. And that's what I do when I sit with clients. And it's, hey, we're going to, for the next year, for the next 18 months, we're going to go on a journey together to get healthy. And we're going to develop a plan together that works best for you. And we're going to use these tools to get us there. Awesome. I love that, Chandra. It's it's kind of, you know, when, when you have in Jeremy and me, these larger than life kind of pioneer connectors and connect creative pioneers, the, the, the natural entrepreneurs who appear to be the self fresh air. We always know when a culture is healthy is when our nurturers actually feel they can belong and can speak with a level of confidence and security that you can. So, you know, you because it's my nemesis voice, I always feel like I, I I sing inside and mercifully not outside <laughs> when I hear a nurturer say, I am confident in my competence. Mm-hmm. Because to go back to where we started, it's always for the nurturer, it's the imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. which somehow says, I'm not good enough to do this, even though everyone else thinks you are. Talk to us a little bit about where you feel you've had to deal with some of that imposter syndrome because there's a lot of people out there who carry it, Chandra, and it's so they hear it better from you than they hear it from Jeremy and I. I never felt like I was qualified enough or deserved to be in the space. Um, It was the question, it's the narrative in my own head that I need Mm. to do more to prove more. So if we think self-preservation It's I've got to prove that I belong here in this space. But the the irony of it is I'm not going to just speak up as a nurture creative. Right. So it's not like I'm going to come in a room with pioneers or connectors and talk. I'm just going to kind of be quiet in the space. And so one of the things that I still remember when I learned my voice order is I was able to connect the dots of why I was passed over for promotion from director to vice president. And it was because I, w- I didn't speak out enough. I was too quiet. And when they asked me questions, I was very timid. And it's, oh, no, I don't really have anything. No, I'm thinking about it. Um, let me get back with you. I'm just in a meeting taking notes, but I hear everything. And they're watching my team perform. And they're like, this, what? But I didn't have the confidence. I lacked the confidence and I didn't think that I could step into the vice president space coming into giant and just learning my voice order and even learning that as right. One of my blind spots, right. An opportunity to grow is an area I have worked on. And Steve, that was one of the things it's like, Chandra, I want you to show up with the confidence. And so now because of doing the work, because I never asked my clients to do something I'm not going to do, I am intentionally doing the work on me to grow and to show up and to become more confident in that space because I, I do belong and I do have the credentials. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. So Chandra, a last question for you and really uh, if you, something you'd leave uh, speak into the audience that's listening. What's a, what's a tool, what's your favorite tool or giant concept that you want to share that you might want to share it with other people, almost like you're teaching it to them. 
My favorite tool actually is also a concept and is that leaders define culture and sub-leaders define culture. One of the biggest differences for me, for us in the giant space is we are not just here to train top leaders, right? That was what I had experienced. And what I love about leaders defining cultures and sub-leaders defining cultures is to me, it shows the value of every person on the team. And if I can come into an organization or meet with someone and say, hey, you may be manager, you may be, you may not even have a title, but you're defining the culture, you have influence, then that to me is where I get to change the whole organization because each person has that influence and impact. And if each person can become healthy, then the organization overall becomes healthy and the culture changes. And that for me is what we want for a healthy organization. I love it. That's so encouraging. Sean, it's so good wow. to have you here. Thank you. Any last yeah. thoughts to you? No, just a thank you, Chandra. I mean, I think I interviewed you as a Voices interview for Nurture Creative Connector all those years ago, and you were really beginning your journey. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes just to be able to celebrate, you, what you hoped would happen has happened. Yeah. And to hear you speak with the level of influence and confidence is a is such a gift because you remember more people see the world like you you do than than us. Forty three percent of the world, Chandra, see the world through your lens, and sixty percent are women. So when we have people like you sharing what you do, however much we might like to think our millions of listeners are shaped by us, you will have influenced more lives today because there's a lot more people going. I think I could do what Chandra's done. So thank you for sharing so honestly and so you know, beautifully. Really, really appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Chandra. Absolutely. Isn't that wow. awesome? It, it, it's, I feel, this is the British thing. I kind of feel guilty of thinking, oh my goodness, this is, this is like we've brought on another person who's drunk the giant Kool-Aid and everyone just thinks that we're doing self-promotion. But it's, a, it's also an incredible validation of, I guess, what we always dream would happen, that we could create transformational change in ordinary people and equip them to multiply that change into their world. And, you know, there are literally hundreds, thousands of people out there using all of our learning and failures, Jeremy, in our case, and mm -hmm. actually being an agent of liberation and changing cultures and lives. So, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling strangely weepy as a pioneer that kind of, you know, <laughs> this is what happens every time we talk to people. I'm so grateful for all your failures because uh, all your failures have helped so many people. I'm joking. Our, our failures. No, it's true. But if, it, if it's probably true, Jerry. If, no. you <laughs> if you're if you're listening to this, and you and you, if there was something that connected, uh, just know what Steve and I do. What, what we're called to do is activate people. We basically have created uh, tools and systems and processes, not to um, uh, not to dominate people's worlds, but to enliven them, giving them giving them the tools that they need to do the things that are in their heart and mind, and making it simpler for them to do that. So we have over 800 people like Chandra who are using these tools to basically change culture, change leaders, affect them, and impact them. And so if you if that connected with you, just go to giantworldwide.com. You can check it out. We've tried to do it couple of things we try to make where cost is not the issue number one and the second thing is we try to make it where it fits relevantly into everyone's time component so money or time is not an issue or a barrier 
Um, but our true heart is to raise up uh, liberating leaders like Chandra uh, in every city, in every sector in the world. And that's the vision. And that's what Steve and I get to do. We just get to encourage that and, and get to encourage and inspire people into that. In fact, we're de- going to be doing a retreat here in February. In a couple of weeks, we'll be in Atlanta together. And we get the privilege of dealing with our old clients, some of our partners, and then some of our guides. So we have three events back to back to back. And uh, it's just us being able to activate and to encourage people. So um, hopefully you're encouraged by this if you're listening to it. Any last thoughts, steve um, I think self-awareness and influence have been the two major themes of today. So I think the thing is, make sure you know what it's like to be on the other side of you. Do the work, as Chandra said. And I think the other thing is, around influence, be brave enough to ask the people who matter most, well, how do I undermine my influence with you? And I think that is like a self-awareness upgrade. It's one thing to know yourself. It's another to be brave enough to understand what is it I'm doing that diminishes my influence with people? Because we none of us like to hear that's true, but all of us have the propensity and the capacity and the tendencies to do that. So if you're brave enough today, go and ask somebody, use the question, use the tool, and just say, well, well, how do I undermine my influence with you? What are the things you'd encourage me to be attentive to in my tendencies? So that's what I'm going to do as well. I'll keep doing it. We never graduate, sadly, the School of Self-Awareness. Uh, my last thought is really, if you listen and heard Chandra, uh, the journey that she went through, uh, battling cancer, overcoming lots of different things, but she did it to be healthy for herself, but also for other people. Uh, if you're not healthy, then you have to be a taker because you've got to take what other people can give because you can't provide it yourself. But if you're healthy, then you can give and you give out of the overflow. And so if you're listening, there is a process of getting healthy. And some people might be a a little ways from it, but it's a journey, but it works. And we've just seen too many people who literally transformed. They've gotten past or understand their tendencies and know how to manage those things. And uh, so I'm super excited for even this uh, episode for how many people might uh, explore being like Chandra. So that's it. Love All it. right, my friend. Hey, uh, we'll see you on the other side, Steve-O, and uh, talk sure. to you uh, soon. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Cheers. If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubitschek.com to learn more.